0: Just pray. Heavenly Father, you're here. Your son Jesus is here. Your Holy Spirit is here. I thank you, Lord God, for your presence. I thank you for these incredible students who you have called unto yourself for such a time as this. A critical hour for a generation that you are calling unto yourself. Lord, I pray that you would continue each and every moment to cultivate a community of believers here at Elam who are willing to lay their lives down at the altar. I pray, Lord God, that this would be a generation set apart with a fire that will not go out. I pray a hedge of protection over their minds, their hearts, and their souls belong to you. I give you glory and honor, God, for the future pastors, teachers, evangelists, missionaries prophets in this room, I thank you for the anointing that you show us through your Holy Spirit, presented to us to work in us and through us for your glory. So Lord God, I pray that this night would be like no other night. I pray that come tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning would be like no other morning. Not because I'm here, not because I'm speaking, but because, Holy Spirit, you're here. And wherever you are, we can expect the extraordinary. We can expect supernatural. We can expect you to do miracles. So, God, we say yes. I thank you for their yes. Being here, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for their yes. So, Lord, we yield to you now. We yield to your Holy Spirit. We yield to your word, your word. May your word give us life right now. Lead me now, Holy Spirit, for the remainder of these few minutes that I have. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Ascend the hill in 2024. That's my message tonight. Ascend the hill in 2024. Hey, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 19. First Samuel chapter 19. Everybody got their words? Say amen. Thank you, all, all, all twelve of you. Amen. Uh, anybody got the word tonight? Say amen. amen. Okay. Listen. Uh, so as Dr. K shared, uh, I um, I pastored a church um, in New York City, in a in a place called Long Island City, which is uh, a part of Queens. It's that part of Queens closest um, to Midtown Manhattan. Um, and I think the last time I was with you all, we were in a little bit of some transition, and and God, we we were in a for we're listen, let me just say it this way soul Cry church we were we're just a year and eight months old when we started, we started in a small little studio space that's only about a quarter the size of this, and we rented fifty chairs and the first Sunday, fifty people showed up, so we rented another fifty chairs and then that next Sunday, a hundred people showed up and then we because you know we just weren't sure what was next and what was going on we just we stayed in that little studio space, but for the next eight months it was standing room only and we had to open up the lift gate because the The studio was actually a garage. So we had to open up the lift grate because people were spilling out. Now we're in a school that that has 400 seats. Uh, The last two Sundays we had over 300 people show up. So we're not quite sure how long we're going to be able to be in that auditorium. But one of the things that we're cultivating in Soul Cry Church is when the Word begins to speak and when the Word reveals truth and when the Holy Spirit shakes you up, it's okay to shout amen from your seat. It's it's, it's not to shout. Listen, I, I don't need cheerleaders. I'm good. But if the Holy Spirit stirs you, I'm okay with you standing. I'm okay with you dropping to your knees. I'm okay with you crying out. And so we're experiencing such a freedom because one of the things I said to those that are coming to Soul Cry, church, do not let anything get in the way of your cry for more. There has got to be a cry for more. And we've stepped into spaces where we've created boundaries and restrictions that hold back the cry. I don't want anything to get in the way of my cry. There's too many places through Scripture that demand that the saints, that you and I, cry out for more. Look at it for yourself and see how many times you will discover the Lord saying, cry out. Cry out. And so... At Soul Crowd Church, they'll be down the aisles. They'll be all over the place. We just cry. This this past Sunday, Dr. Case, this past Sunday, I'm telling you, I I, I gave the benediction at 1 o'clock. It's a rental space, right? So we've got to be out at 3.30. So I make sure we start at 11, whether there's 10 people there or not, because it's actually very hard to get to our space. But by the time we get to 11.30, there's well over 200 people in there, and they keep coming in at 1 o'clock. I gave the benediction, but the Holy Spirit said, you can give the benediction, but i close this service out when I want to close this service out. And for the next hour, people were crying out all over the place. This was last Sunday. And the Lord has been dealing with me. David Ham. don't you dare restrict what the Holy Spirit wants to do in this generation. They're going to they're gonna cry out in such a way that some people are going to be like, what's going on? Man, this generation is so lost. No, this generation belongs to King Jesus. Uh, oh. Okay, sermon number two. Here we go. First, first Samuel. <laughs> first Samuel chapter 19. You gotta say amen just, just and we're going to start with verse 18, but to, just to give you a little bit of context um, that leads us into this moment in our, in our Scripture reading for tonight. Saul, at this particular moment, Saul hated David. Saul's son, Jonathan, loved David like a brother. Jonathan attempted to change the heart of his father, Saul, who wanted to kill David. Initially, Jonathan is successful in doing so, but then David is used by God with, to win a great victory. Pride, anger, jealousy rises up in Saul's heart once again. David is playing the harp for Saul. We all know the moment. Saul, in a moment of rage, throws his javelin at David. David is able to quickly maneuver and escape. Saul attempts to kill David in his own home, and David's wife helps him escape. Now we're at verse 18. Now David fled and escaped, and he came to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and lived at Naan. If you're going to talk, let me stop right there. Listen, if, if you're going to talk to someone about your problems, talk to someone who knows how to talk to God. If you're in a moment of crisis, if you're in a moment of crisis, always process up with somebody who is connected to King Jesus. Be careful who you tell your stuff to. Because, listen, we all have those moments where it's like, man, I don't even know how to pray about this right now. I just need to talk to somebody. Okay, that's fine, but you better talk to the right person. You better talk to somebody who knows how to pray. It's not good for you to carry your burdens alone. Community is essential in the effort to fight forward in faith. So so David heads to the right community. He ascends the hill. Oh, man, listen, I I don't want to get ahead. But, listen, as the body of Christ, as students here, as believers... I want you to understand something. The key to walking together in unity is to be a a community that knows how to pray together. First reaction within community, within healthy community, to every situation, to every matter, to every moment. First reaction within a healthy community is to pray. So David goes to Samuel because Samuel represents his covering and his calling. Ah, to the brother that was leading us in worship, yes, I am so glad that Samuel's mama said, you know what, I'm going to stick to what I said that I was going to do. And I'm so glad Samuel was in the right place at the right time. There's a reason for everything as long as you and I continue to walk in obedience to God's will. Your obedience to God will set somebody else up for, to fulfill their purpose. Samuel had to be in Ramah. Samuel represents the importance of knowing in the midst of your problems, there's still a mission not to be forsaken. So very often, problems that we face can feel like a setback. In this particular moment in in Scripture, what David was dealing with could easily be perceived as a setback. But when we have setbacks, as long as you and I continue to trust God and believe God in faith, every setback that you face is a reset. There's no setbacks when you are surrendered to the will of God. Every setback as as a believer is always a reset in the supernatural. In the natural, from just a natural perspective, when we face crisis and and it feels like we have to withdraw, it always feels like we failed or it feels like, man, now I'm taking, I took two steps, I took a step forward, now I'm taking two steps back. But I believe for those of you who are called to fulfill God's purpose in your life, Every situation that you're in, everything that you go through, trust and know and believe that God is forever and always ordering your steps. And hey, Elam, God doesn't miss steps. He's the God who establishes your steps. It's this, this naturally looks like a setback for David, but it's not. It's a reset, and he ascends the hill. And this place where he goes becomes a refuge. When you're under attack and you're feeling the pressure of this world, God will always provide a refuge. And in his refuge, God's refuge, that is the place where you are able to be restored, reset, and stay on mission. I believe for every student here, even as I was worshiping, I believe God has called you to Elam to position you for your reset. And God is going to launch you into spaces and places where I believe you cannot go unless you truly receive everything that God has for you here. What I'm really saying is don't quit. Ascend the hill. Allow God to finish what he has started in your life here on this campus. Allow this space to be a refuge. Endure. Remain vulnerable and transparent. Recognize that everything that you're going to go through here, the good, the bad, and the ugly, is all a part of your process. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. You don't got to tell me. I know there's a good, bad, and ugly. It's just a part of the journey. This was an ugly moment in David's life, having to retreat to Ramah, having to come to this place where, like, I'm being chased right now. Like, my life is is on the line. Like, I don't even understand. This doesn't look like the the trajectory that I was on. David retreats to Ramah with Samuel. It's a reset, and this is an incredible place where he goes. David takes refuge at the school of prophets. Now listen, the fundamental meaning of prophecy is a message from God. The fundamental meaning of prophecy is a message from God. It is when someone speaks a word that is divinely inspired. Prophecy, as I was doing my study, is the word of the Lord going forth, declaring what is and what is to come. Prophecy provides an atmosphere of anticipation, but prophecy comes out of prayer. Prayer comes out of a community that's seeking God, a community that understands their call and purpose to hear from God. Hey, we have now stepped into 2024. I want to hear God speak. I don't know about you. I want to be in a community where I'm hearing God speak. I want to be in a community where I'm getting revelation. I know some of you already have resolutions for 2024, but I don't know about you. I want revelation over resolutions. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Because it's, if, if you don't get a revelation, then you'll never stay committed to a resolution. Resolutions will only do but so much, but a revelation will prepare you for your future, for for days and months and years to come. That's where I want to be. I want to be where there's a prophetic word. I want to be in that place where there is a prophetic word. I want to be in that place where there is deliverance. I want to be in that place where there is healing. I want to be in that place where God moves in a supernatural way. I want to be in that place where it is safe for me to pray and to cry out to God. I'm going to ascend the hill. I don't know about you. I'm going to Ramah. When stuff starts to fall apart, I'm taking the high ground because that's what that means. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 21 says this, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. May the Holy Spirit carry you this, this year. It's when the Holy Spirit carries you, that's when you begin to receive revelation. That's when God gives us the prophetic word for such a time as this. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14:3, 1 Corinthians fourteen three the, listen, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their one upbuilding, Two, encouragement. And three, consolation. I want to be where God is speaking. I want to be where there's an upbuilding, where there's encouragement and consolation. Listen, I, I believe and hope that Elam for you is that place where the Spirit of God moves in the heart of your fellow brothers and sisters around you. And suddenly, out of prayer comes a prophetic word. Out of prayer comes an opportunity to experience the fullness of God's presence. Out of prayer, people are being set free and delivered from strongholds. Delivered from strongholds. Man, I, I, I grew up for years, right up till I came to Elam, always needing validation and affirmation from people. It was almost an addiction. And so, in and of a in another sense, validation was almost like my idol. If I was going to do anything, I needed to be affirmed afterwards. I needed to be validated. But Elam changed that. I'm so glad I ascended the hill a long time ago. 19, oh Lord Jesus, never mind. (laughs) I'm so glad I ascended the hill here at Elam. I'm so glad that I responded to an altar call. I'm so glad I responded to an altar call from Brother Paul Johansson. I was right here. I, I grew up in the church, a pastor's kid. But I had never been slain in the spirit. I grew up in a healthy space. But as I traveled sometimes with my dad, I was, I, I, had, seen, I had seen some of that stuff abused. So I, I came to Elam like, yeah, I'm not the one. This brother's going to stand on his two feet always and forever, ever, ever. All right? God want to do something, he can do it with me standing up. And I'll never forget, Brother Paul Johansson made an invitation for people to come and be set free and delivered. And I couldn't shake it from my seat in the back. And I came up here to the front. And I came up here with some doubt. I came up here with some fear. I came up here not quite sure not fully optimistic about what was going to happen. And so I saw him moving across the room. I saw people starting to fall out. And here I was over here like, oh, no. It's not happening today, not with ham. I'm good. Matter of fact, I'm so good. I've learned in the Pentecostal church down in Virginia, just to be sure, one foot back. (laughs) Now try to drop me. Let you see what you got now. Oh, I'll, I'll ascend the hill, but it's going to be my way. Whoa. If you and I are going to ascend the hill, then you have to yield fully to the Holy Spirit. And for those who ascend the hill, I'm so glad that in God's grace and mercy, he will override our doubt and fear because the hill belongs to him. It's holy ground. Listen. This is the beautiful moment of my story. Brother Paul, you know. Do they know? Not sure. But I, this, he's, he's st- listen, Brother Paul, he just, he just turned 87? 88? 87, Ramon. He just turned 80, 87. He's still, I know for, for Ramon, for myself, he's, he's our spiritual grandfather. I still check in with him. I still check in with him. He's, he's my Samuel, in a sense. I process up when I'm in crisis. I call him. Yeah, the one who came to me and said my name three times. Oh, David, David, David. (laughs) I'll never forget. And all he said was this. It's time to rest now. Now may the peace of the Holy Spirit fall on you. Brother Paul didn't even touch me. He just had that holy hand hover over me. Bro, I fell sideways. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, the Holy Spirit just straight played me like. Oh, oh, you oh, you expect to ascend the hill and not experience my presence? You, you expect to ascend the hill in 2024 and set boundaries as to, to what extent you're going to be spiritual or not? Oh, 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 oh you're gonna, you, you, you want to be up in here and determine to what extent you're going to open yourself up? I, I'm not sure. On this day, you know, I'm going to stay low. But on, on this day, I'm all in. Listen, you've got to be all in. And if you're going to ascend the hill, I'm telling you, God in his mercy and his love and his grace overrided my fear and doubt and knocked me over sideways and I cried like a baby and the Lord delivered me from validation and affirmation so that I could move forward and do all that God has called me to do without needing man's approval to do it. Because I didn't know, Lisa, that for a number of years in my life, even now in this moment that the Lord would send me into places and spaces where they don't shout amen back at me. They don't respond at all. I was just telling Dr. Case, I've been, I go to Ireland on a regular basis. If you've ever been to Northern Ireland, those people don't say nothing to you. <laughs> Ramon, I'll be up on that platform. I'm preaching. I'm sweating. I'm, I'm pouring sweat. And nobody says nothing. It's like crickets, crickets, and I'm okay with that. And I'll preach five nights in a row, and I'll pour my heart out because I know it's the word that the Holy Spirit gave me. And on this hill right here at Elam, I found out I don't need to wait for a hallelujah or an amen to hold up the word of God and preach. So I'll travel all over the world, and this is what God has been doing in my life. I travel regularly to Ireland, to the Republic of Ireland, the Dublin area, and Northern Ireland. All last year, God has been moving me throughout Slavic conferences all across the country. They don't say nothing either. But I'm okay. And then you know you come down off the stage in Northern Ireland and Belfast, and that same God that was looking at you like you had three heads—he's the first one to go. That was really good preaching. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you say so No. <laughs> and I just say, amen, glory to God." Ascend the hill. What's, what's, what's my time? I'm almost done. Let's do I? What, what? How much more time? Okay, listen, listen, listen. Verse 19, go back to the Word, go back to the Word. And it was told Saul, behold, David's at Naoth and Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David. Mm. Then Saul sent messengers to take David, as if he thought it was going to be that easy. And when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying, now remember, in order to get to the prophecy, there has to be prayer. Which means there was some real intentional prayer that was happening on the hill. If we're gonna receive a prophetic word, there has to be a community that knows how to pray, that knows how to cry out, that knows how to worship. I believe that they worshiped. I loved what I heard this evening. Keep it up, keep going, open up your mouth, cry out. It has to be more than a song, it has to be a cry. It has to be a cry, it has to be a cry. Listen, he goes, and Samuel when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as head over them, whoa, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul and they also prophesied. Wow. When it was told Saul, verse 21, you still with me? Say amen. Amen. When it was told to Saul, he sent other messengers and they also prophesied and Saul sent Messengers again a third time, and they also prophesied. Saul sent soldiers to capture David when the men showed up to attack. The congregation, the people were worshiping God and praying. Your worship, your prayer life is a weapon to fight back the enemy. It's an atmosphere of prayer and worship at the school of prophecy that will create a refuge and a fortress in your life each and every day. You want to know the mighty protecting hand of God? Pray. Seek his face. Call on the name of Jesus. Watch what he does to those who are watching you. Because they showed up and every time they saw what God was doing, suddenly the Holy Spirit just interrupted every attack and every plan. You see, when the enemy comes against you, what will he find you doing? When people oppose you, what reaction will they get from you? In the midst of uncertainty, wars, division, sickness, and disease, let it be known, seen, and heard that there is a remnant crying out to God. Let it be known, seen, and heard across the globe that here at Elam, There is a holy fire that's starting to roar on the hill. And anybody who comes in view of this holy fire that's set on the hill will experience the power and the presence of God. Here's what I'm saying to you. I believe that God wants to stir a fire in you in such a way that it carries right on back home. When you step back at home and you're there, people are going to see somebody who's different because now see wherever you go is now holy ground. Wherever you go is now holy ground. Listen, this is this is important. If we're going to receive a prophetic word, the students of Elam, I had to write this down. It's very clear. The students of Elam must stand together first and foremost in prayer. And when they stand together in prayer, that is when they will experience unity that represents God in his glory and his purpose for your lives. This call is a declaration in the name of Jesus for you now in 2024 to ascend the hill, to pray, to worship, ready, and prophesy. There has to now be a generation that has a prophetic word. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll, be, I'll be 49 in February. And, and listen, your, your generation means a lot to me. I'm I, 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 Listen, I've got Gen Z in my home. My son's 22, my daughter, my oldest girl's 19, and my youngest is 14. And, and I've watched, we, we've seen it. We've, we, we've seen it, Lisa, Dr. Case, Ramon. We've, we've seen generations come and go. We've seen generations that have been labeled based on certain things that they do so well, you know. And, and, and I'm watching all these generations own certain things within church culture that they claim as their own. I'm going to tell you something. What, right now, what's on the top of my list for your generation is a prophetic word. It's a prophetic word. I'm grateful for the worship. I really am. But that's just the beginning, I believe, of what God wants to do in your generation. I am. I'm I'm grateful. I'm grateful for every bit of worship culture that we have. And and we keep exploring different worship cultures. We keep seeing different things. But is there a generation that's going to receive a prophetic word? Listen. Verse 22. I love it. Then he himself, who's that? Saul. He went to Ramah and came to the great well that is in Seku. And he asked, where are Samuel and David? And one said, "Um, behold, they're at Naoth in Ramah. Now, Saul, he's so mad, listen, that he decides to do what kings didn't ordinarily do. He's thinking, if nobody can do what I ask, I'm going to do it myself. So he, he went there to Naoth and Ramah. And the Spirit of God came upon him also. And as he went, oh man, he prophesied until he came to Naoth and Ramah. And he too stripped off his clothes. And he too prophesied before Samuel. You ready? And lay naked. All that day, the whole day, your boys laid out. And all that night, thus it is said, and I'll allow you guys to talk about this in your small groups or go to Ramon and ask him. Thus it is said, is Saul also among the prophets? Well, at least for a moment, he was a prophet. I do know that at least for a moment this man begins to speak prophetically stripping off his armor stripping off his royalty and yielding to the lordship and the kingship of our savior Jesus Christ i say jesus because in first samuel in this chapter we get a picture of Jesus. You do know this, right, that all through Scripture we get Jesus. Can I get an amen? I just, I just want to make sure y'all's theology is right before I get too excited here and lose my voice again. But this is a beautiful picture. Remember, all the other one, two, and three, when those messengers showed up, they began to prophesy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You got to see the difference in Scripture here. First messengers come, when they show up to the hill, they begin to prophesy. Second group of messengers come, when they show up to the hill, they begin to prophesy. Third group of messengers show up, when they come to the hill, they, they begin to prophesy. But Saul is a little different. Your boy Saul doesn't even get to the hill yet. Woo! He's on his way. He's not even there And God says, I'm going to move upon him before he even gets to the hill. Meaning this, that the Holy Spirit has the power and the authority to move on the hill and in the valley. In the valley. Because some of you might be like, oh man, man, I don't understand. When I'm here on the hill, I'm good. But every time I go home, I'm just like, oh my goodness. And the Lord would say to you, my Holy Spirit, my presence, my power, my anointing moves wherever it wants to move. And he doesn't even get there yet. And by the time he gets to Ramah, my man has stripped down and he is prophesying all day and all night. That is the power and the authority of our God. That is the protecting power of our God. That is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of deliverance. But you've got to go to the right place in the moment of crisis. I'm so glad David went to the right place. Can someone just come up and play keys for me real quick, just please, so I can at least feel like I need to close and come to an end. I'm almost done. Rhema. Rhema. It, it, it means the high place, it means high ground. You see, when we retreat, when it's time for the saints to withdraw, to regroup, we don't regroup in the valley. We, gr- we regroup on the hill. When you're in crisis, ascend the hill. When you're going through something, ascend the hill. Ascend the hill. I may have told you all this last year, but I had a roommate who is now also to a pastor here uh, at Elam. We, we were roommates downstairs. Um, and I'll never forget, he woke me up like at 2 a.m. in the morning one time. 2 a.m. in the morning. He was really weird and really creepy because I rolled over and he was laying in my bed. Now, just to give you a little bit of context, we grew up together like best friends like since we were like 13 years old. And we both ended up at Bible school together here at Elam. And Scott Crowder was laying in my bed, and I went, whoa, what are you doing? he's like, bro, man, bro, bro, we need to get into the chapel. We need to cry out. We need to cry out now. We need to cry out for our generation. We need to cry out for future generations. We got to go now, bro. Come on, get. Up. He jumps up out of the bed and grabs me out of the bed. I'm halfway asleep. I'm like, dude, if you don't leave me alone, dude, I'll, dude, I will punch you, bro. <laughs> dude, no, listen, listen, listen. These are desperate times. And my friend Scott Crowder, now pastor Scott Crowder in, in the Hampton Roads Peninsula, he was talking about a desperation for a generation that's living in such a time as this. Because me and him both have your generation in our homes. And yes, he dragged my rear end right through those doors, and it was dark in here, and I was like, what's going on? I'm halfway asleep. And I'll never forget, my friend Scott Crowder threw himself face down, prostrate, crying out. And God gave him a prophetic word, and then it began with a prayer. And he cried out for future generations that on the hour when it's dark in our city, when it's dark in our community, when there's sickness and disease and wars, will there be a remnant where there'll be a generation that rises and stands for the glory of King Jesus.